Welcome to the YGV100FM podcast. I'm your host, Wun Tan. In this podcast, we invite you to join us in the exciting world of your global village. If this is your first time here, we are a community living and working in a metaverse-inspired village. Our purpose with this podcast is to share the stories of each resident and find the lessons learned that can help you get better results and have a bigger impact. Whether you're just starting out in your business or you're a seasoned entrepreneur, you'll find fresh ideas and inspiration in these stories. With me today, I've got Trevor Meriden of Maryborn Media. So if you're new to this podcast, it's the YGV100FM. And the structure of this uh, show that we've prepared is that we're going to be sharing with you the three stories. And just to give you a bit of a background, it's, it's your backstory and then your present story, which is really around your current business. And then the future story around your community impact. And you'll get it quite easily. So, um, yeah, welcome to the show, Trevor. Hello, hi. Yeah, it's it's great to um, great to, to be here, and thanks for thanks for inviting me on. And I'm honoured to to be here, and uh, and I hope uh, I give a, a reasonable account of myself <laughs> in what I'm about to say. Um, I mean, the backstory. I mean, um, well, I mean, I, I think the way I kind of put it um, is that. My business is all around content and uh, and, and words in particular. You know, I, I write sort of thought leadership stuff. But back in the mists of time, I was I, I wasn't a, a writer at all. I was um, I, I, my first job was as an economist. Um, I worked at the Bank of England, and before I was ever a words nerd, I was a numbers nerd. And you know, I I, I was cranking these econometric models and generating numbers, and 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 what happened was that I realised through working at the bank that, that there was a shortage of people around who could tell stories through numbers and uh, as to what the numbers actually meant. And um, so in a way, I was kind of joining the dots, if you like, you know, and, 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 and painting a picture or telling a story. And so I did that. And then I went from that thinking, well, actually, I like this writing thing. And, um, and I, and I, had no real way of getting into journalism. I hadn't trained as a journalist, um, but I used my economic background to, to become an economic journalist. So I joined a, um, a group called the Economist Group. You know, well, probably best known for the magazine, uh, but they do lots of other things as as well. And I was writing articles and all sorts of reports for an organisation which was a sister organisation called the Economist Intelligence Unit. And at that point, I thought, well, maybe I've got enough experience now to become a what I thought of as a proper journalist and I uh, went across to a magazine in the UK here called Management Today and I I kind of I suppose I rose up through the ranks there and I went through a I was an editor of a dot-com title which went up and then down with the whole boom and bust of the, the dot-com times and then I went and edited a magazine called HR magazine and then I had um, kids under the age three kids under the age of five and I needed to be closer to home and, and I was very lucky that I joined a PR agency um, that was used to pitching to me about all these kind of leadership management HRE type issues, and and, and we grew that business from about a million to to three million as a director of that business. But I always, in my heart, wanted to uh, set up my own business, and um, which is what I did about almost ten years ago exactly. And 
And that was dedicated to developing, you know, sort of content within the corporate markets. And I mean, the key moments, I suppose, as you can see, is there's this kind of constant sort of evolution of what I was what I was doing in in, in there. And I, so I went from econometrician to economic journalist, journalist to business journalist to you know, PR person, you know, to to and there was, and I'd love to tell you that this was all very logical and planned out, and it really wasn't. It was just I kind of arrived somewhere, and I thought, oh, I quite fancy a bit of that, you know, after a couple of years, and 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 tried to edge my way across from from place to place, and you know, the, the, I suppose um, there were decisions that that helped me get there. One was a commitment to that I was going to get into journalism no matter what. And um, because I found that really hard, you know, because nobody as a journalist stops and tells you how to get into journalism if you haven't gone and trained and, and so on. And I thought, and for a long, long time, I thought, I'm just, this is just a brick wall and I'm never going to get through it. And, and then somebody opened a door for me and I managed to get in. And, and once I was in, I realized that actually there wasn't anything special or magical about being a journalist. It was, it was, it was just, you just had to, somehow get in there and uh and if you found a way it probably meant that you could be one you know so um that that's that's sort of i suppose sort of decisions or decisions you know where i got a bit of uh, i had a stroke of luck or, or or so on so those key steps have been pivotal in, in getting the, i guess the commitment around being a journalist that was a big one yeah and and the commitment around first of all being a journalist in you know in in what was the main vessel for being a journalist at that time which is magazines and um and these days of course you know we don't just talk about magazines we talk about social media websites platform collaborative platforms and and so it's a much more kind of complicated picture now but it is is also a commitment to journalism but also a commitment to writing and and what words in my case you know doing a lot of thought leadership work thought leadership papers for for, for clients um, what words actually carry most power and how they resonate, not just for you as an individual, you know, but but to to your clients and more even more importantly, to your clients' markets. You know, what do the markets think and how can you help them express what they do in, in terms that their buyers will understand? Mm. So let's let's go to your you know your current story, right? Your 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 business impact, like what what is happening with um, what you do right now, and could you share with us some of the stories of your clients? Um, you know how how are you impacting them? Like, as in, you know, what what sort of challenges and problems are they facing? What are the feelings and needs where they feel when they when they first approach you? Okay, well, um, at the heart of everything is that um, I'll give you a few examples. But before I start that, then. What I'd say is that almost without exception, most organizations consistently underestimate the sales value of their knowledge and their expertise. And, you know, so I might be commissioned to write a thought leadership report and, um, and, um, and, and our first question I ask is, what do you want to happen as a result? Of this, you know, of, of this paper, and 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 then I talk about how we draw out that knowledge and expertise. And so, pe- businesses almost consistently underestimate the amount of knowledge and expertise they have and the power that it has. And then, if you can find ways to sort of bring it out of them, um, you know, which sometimes you might do through interviews, sometimes you might do through 
you know, watching them give speeches about things. I mean, it doesn't matter how the content comes out as long as it comes out. And uh, and then the second thing that, that, people, that a lot of businesses struggle with is what they do with it once they've once once it's out there. And I think again, I think people consistently underestimate the extent to which they can use that knowledge and expertise now in the form of content in lots of different ways. And so I I talk to clients around around that and. There's, there's three major ways that once they've got those two sort of things that they realize they're, they're missing a trick, if you like, um, through not making more of their, their knowledge and expertise. There's three ways I can do that. And I'll give you a little example for each of those. So first is increased sales. It helps them increase sales. Second is it helps them keep customers or members if they're a membership organization. And thirdly, it helps them sort of build a, build a brand, you know, if that's what they want to do. So that's why I ask those questions. What are you trying to do? Increase sales, keep customers, build brand. Tell me. And so, our yeah. You know, one example was that we were commissioned to write a in the increased sales category. You know, we were commissioned to write a thought leadership report for a, a retail uh, and recruitment consultancy. And so, we interviewed about a hundred of the world's top sort of retail CEOs. Um, they had a great network that they just weren't using. Um, and so we I helped we did that to identify future skills um, for future retail CEOs. Now this was before the pandemic, and um, and but it nevertheless it predicted trends that would then become actually as it turned out become greatly accelerated. You know as the pandemic took hold, you know you can see the whole nature of retail has completely changed. It's gone from you know a lot of store based stuff to a lot of online and and virtual sales that. People who do work in shops, you know, realize they're going to have fewer cash tills ringing because people might just come in to see what something looks like and then go and buy online. You know, they go home. And so there's different modes of actually buying these. And, and the so the CEOs of retail organizations need to understand that. They need to skill their workforces in a different way. And they need to skill themselves in, in a different way to understand that they're now operating in a more digital environment. So we did this. Um, and with that, the consultancy uh, was able to drive its sales pipeline and open lots of new conversations with you know, senior retail uh, um, figures in the industry. They, you know, the client set up sorts of spin-off events. And, and from this content and then reusing the content from the report, they were able to, to do other marketing activities and, and increase their sales. So um, that's, that's the first one. Does that... Does that Makes sense, is that the yeah, 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 yeah I mean, yeah. It, absolutely. And I think it, you kind of touch on the, the, the sort of follow up question that I wanted to ask, which is really around the after story like what, what are the benefits of uh, working with you and the, the results and outcomes that you bring to the clients, right? And and so the increased sales is a is a, obviously a key one that people don't think of, yeah. And 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 I think it's important. I mean, what I can't do is I can't say to them. You know, if you work with me, we'll increase sales by fifty percent. I don't know that, so I can't possibly make that that promise. But what I can say is that, um, as a result of a report that um, reflects your views, and more importantly, reflects the views of the market, you know, um, or, or anticipates the views or the needs of the market, that we give you the best possible chance of increasing your your sales. Um, so, you know. Uh, then a lot of what they do is up to them in terms of how they market their their their, their products. So I mean, I, I advise them on that, 
Um, but they often have their own sort of marketing departments, you know, to, to that. most marketing people know how to market things and they know their sector better than I ever will. So, um, so, so, um, you know, just as they've lent on my expertise in producing the content, you know, I then lean on their expertise to, to make sure that it, it works for, for, for everyone. Um, another example in terms of keeping customers, um, is that, I said before that many businesses lack confidence to create content from their knowledge. Um, and that is sometimes becomes a value thing for people in a membership network, for example, you know, uh, they, that, that, the, that a lot of these membership organizations have kind of knowledge experts, you know, that you join an organization, you know, um, you know, because you, you might get extra insight or expertise and, or you want to be part of an industry Body. So we had one client um, who had a major data resource, you know, that it had collected by benchmarking all its members and it wasn't doing anything with it. And so we were asked to go in and help them tell the story around around the numbers that if you looked in aggregate without giving any member organization secrets away, you know, about their individual sort of performance um, uh, about um uh, about in, in the case of this particular organization about about how businesses dealt with their people across all uh, levels of the employee cycle everything from how they were recruiting people to how they were developing them and you know and then sometimes sort of how they were saying goodbye to in, in employees and by what we did with that was that we developed a a series of uh reports but also webinars you know where we posed questions of the members and and lot, they were very popular webinars because what the members realised was that they had a lot of experiences to share um, and different ways of doing things or tackling particular problems. And the value to the members became, although we produced the initial thoughts on um, on, on 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 what we thought, that the value to them was actually getting into a room or a webinar room and actually talking to each other, and and so. What we did in that case was that we increased the retention rate, you know, of their membership. You know, you'll always have a certain number of members who might not renew their membership each year because perhaps they don't see value. But then we cut, managed to cut down that that failure rate, if you like, so drastically by by actually producing reports and running webinars that that, that they found was really valuable. You know, because you um, because they were able to exchange ideas as well as receive ideas from. You know the mothership or the or the uh, the, the client body. Um, I, should, I, should I go on, or do you want to ask? <laughs> no, I, I I think I, I like the example because it's um it it starts with a a research piece and then it, you kind of repurpose the content into webinars and I think that is yeah. such a such a clever clever approach. It, it's a it's a it's a different thing, but it kind of makes the point about repurposing content, as you said. So um, that, that I mentioned a third thing about situations where you build a brand um and um you know and if businesses are um underestimating the importance of repurposing the content one example is that we had a a client who was a uh, an international it was sort of like a quasi government organization i'm i'm not allowed to name them. and uh, they wanted to influence the debate around education in asia south asia um, and they wanted to build their own influence in that in that area. Um, so it commissioned a report, and that report was 
based on a series of conferences that they were having where, you know, everyone's been to a great conference where people say great things and people make great speeches and, and they all kind of shake hands at the end of it and say, that was a fantastic conference. And then nothing else happens. And, and what they were trying to do was kind of square the circle by having the, these very grand events where they attract incredible speakers. And what they asked me to do was to just bring it all together into, into a, a thought leadership report, sort of like a compendium of knowledge. Uh, um, uh, and, what happened is, is that the organisation was able to sort of place itself at the centre of the debate around higher education in South Asia. Um, they cemented their brands in the minds of the speakers and also the attendees um, as a set of events worth uh, attending. So they and then when people from the media, for example, wanted to find a go-to commentator or an independent or objective commentator on, on those issues, they were they just knew who to go to. You know, as a, as a result, so that helped to build the brand in that case so you know, you've got increased sales in one example keep customers and and, uh, and build the brand nice i like that so let's uh, go to the third part of the third segment of this um, this interview right so what is you know your your future story like how how do you uh, how are you going to change the world what how will you help shape the story of the world that's kind I, of the question, and I think within that, yeah. there's, uh, there's also another question, which is um, which is nicely phrased. So it's imagine if today is twenty twenty six. Looking back in the past five years, what would you say were your highlights? The highlights of the last five years. Okay, I I mean, I I'm not, I don't think that I'm gonna change the world, you know, in the sort of the big macro sense, but I think I will have a. I'd like to think I'd have an influence uh, on the way people maybe think about content. I mean, my kind of the tagline of the business is putting every business on the fast track to content confidence. And um, because of the reasons that I mentioned about people underestimating their own expertise in knowledge, I want people and organizations to feel much more confident in in that, to bring out that in the form of content and in, in, because that's my expertise in helping that bring that, and I want them to use it in a multiple of ways. Um, so, so um, in terms of the the world, you know, I, I I'd like to think that you know, uh, yeah, that the, my the business would make the world a better place because it will make people realise that producing content, whether you rely on on me or or hopefully, in fact, you know, learn how to do it yourselves. You know, sort of that realise that actually. Once you, you, you understand the processes of producing content, and how much good stuff basically is within us all, that people learn to do it for themselves. And so beyond me kind of working the way I am with clients, I'd like me to sort of almost like be the, the conductor, if you like, rather than a member of the orchestra and, 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 and actually show other people how to, how to do what I do, because I don't think it's that difficult. And, um, and, I, and I'd like to sort of educate those who want to be educated in in doing that so in 2026 i mean they say don't look too far ahead but i think you you have to in a way you know because you know, the old phrase of you know plans are useless but planning is essential is that you've got to have a a vision i would i would love to think that i'd helped people learn to do it themselves in terms of generate their own content and to have fun doing it and to see it not as a a difficult head scratching kind of thing you know to do but actually an act of that they do in the natural flow of their work 
and uh, so so that's uh, that's one thing. I've got a bit of a hobby horse about um, uh, content integrity as well, and I um, uh, uh, I, I did the you know you'll know about these um, uh, sort of promises that you know the seventeen sort of UN goals you know that you know you and I have both done a. Uh, a test, I think, you know, where you, they, they, you work out what is your your big UN goal, which of the seventeen goals, and mine was about peace, justice, and strong institutions, and 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 the way what I take from that is that the reason I, that came out was that I think there's been this erosion of the the truth, if you like, you know, and some people blame social media. I think that's too simplistic to to blame social media. It's just that's just the vehicle, but also the intent by some people and i'm not going to kind of get political about this but there are certain people who who have just played very fast and loose loose with you know truth and and debased the value of it and and although you could laugh off those people and say they're you know they're they're clowns or they're not serious people um they it's the erosion that that has on content and, and whether people believe content and the trust that they put in content so i mean i would i would love you know in, in five years time to have if the need was there and you know things kept on going in a in you know south in terms of the you know the integrity of content i would love to have set up something you know like a sort of content integrity foundation or unit or something like that which kind of almost did a reality check on what people are are are, are saying i hope that i never have to do that or or that nobody has to has to do that but it's something that i would I would, I would, I, I, it's, it's something that probably works me up and, and annoys me more than almost anything else is when people um, are, um, uh, are, are cavalier with the facts, you know, and they, or they put the opinions ahead of the facts or, or completely change the facts, you know, to say what they want to be. So, so that's, 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 that's something I'll never hope I'll never have to do, but, but I would, but I would if I had to. Um, but, but more than that, I just want businesses in the meantime, to be confident in the in the content they produce, I like that. I, I've got, met someone who's got is that SDG number sixteen, peace, justice, and strong. It is, yes, yes, that's it, number sixteen. So yeah. um, I think I that's think, that's kind yeah. of a very very fitting because I know, I, I guess, because you are a trader profile. Yeah, we were having this conversation earlier. Yeah, yeah. wealth dynamics profile you are. I think that yeah. suits the trader profile very, very, very well. I think. And, and you know, I mean, for people who don't know about wealth dynamic profile, I mean, there it's it's kind of it's a bit scary because they kind of nail you, you know, in terms <laughs> in terms of what what level of you know what sort of strengths and uh, and areas for development you have, and and also who you could or should be working with, you know, in, in developing teams and, and, and so on. And, and uh, um, so, you know, it, it, it's, you know, originally sort of set up in terms of, you know, how do you make money in, in, in the flow of what you do? And I guess that's probably, you know, the flow of what I do is is around the sort of uh, the, the, the content side of things, but also the accuracy uh, of, of, of the content is something that is my my personal hobby horse. <laughs> <laughs> I like that content yeah. integrity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. So, well, thank you very much. Um, thank you, thank you, Trevor. I think we are. You're you're very brave because this is the first interview that we are doing in this brand new studio. So, well done, and thank you for being here. This is the the YG uh, 
your YGV 100FM podcast. So thank you for listening. Well, thank you for the invitation to come on, by the way. And I'm honoured to, uh, to be on it. And uh, as the first guest, is, is just, um, it's fantastic. So, so thank you for the chance. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the end of this episode. Let us know what has been your biggest takeaway from this episode. In the next episode, we have Lourdes Gunn, resident at number 16 Global Square, where she shares her backstory from the Philippines to emigrating to North America and entering the personal development journey to becoming a leader in the sustainability field. Lourdes shares her top tips from her experience working with visionary business women leaders. To find out more about Your Global Village community, head over to yourglobalvillage.com. Oh yes, and one more thing. There's a very exciting treasure hunt that goes alongside this podcast. So if you're listening in, you can enter this competition and you'll be in the running to win some amazing prizes along the way. That's it for now and see you in the next episode.